If anybody wants to play a game of tag afterwards, I have revitalized myself at that sport. <laughs> All right, so this morning we're going to continue in the series that we've started a few weeks ago on the Sabbath. Now, if you've been around for the last few weeks, we've talked about the Sabbath as this word that comes from the Hebrew, Hebrew word Shabbat, which literally means to stop, but then it also can mean to, to rest or to delight or to worship. And so this morning, I just want to maybe recap a simple definition of, of Sabbath, for our, like a working definition for us. So it's the Sabbath is simply, a, it's a day in which we stop all work. And it is set aside to rest, to delight, and to worship. Now, if you hear last week, you heard Pastor Olivia talk about resting. And, and as we considered rest, we understood like that we have this great need for, for physical, spiritual, emotional rest. But we also know like to actually stop and rest is a struggle. And Olivia just talked about just some of the dynamics, both internal and external, that keep us from resting. And if you weren't here last week, let me encourage you to, to go back and, and listen or watch that online. And then the week before, we just talked about how Sabbath is stopping. And we looked at how God is, is the example, how he worked six days and then on the seventh day, he stopped, and he set this rhythm for us, this gift for us to be able to, to meet with him and to slow down and, and to stop the work that takes over our life. And so then this morning, we're going to continue just into the next one. Like, this is just a series. It's like stop, rest, and now we're on delight. And to be honest, when, when you think about delight or when I'm going to start talking about delight, at least for me, like, this one feels like the one that maybe is the most awkward because it as we're talking about Sabbath, that, that delight or joy is not the first word that comes to mind when I think of, of Sabbath. And, and I even ask the question, is it okay to enjoy the Sabbath? Is it okay to have fun on the Sabbath? Is it okay to, to delight in the Sabbath? And as we'll talk about today, the answer is, is for sure and yes. So I want to read from Isaiah chapter 58, uh, and if you wouldn't mind standing with me for the reading of, of God's word this morning, there's just two short verses that we're going to read, and I actually shared this a couple weeks ago, but um, I want to read them again this morning as we start into our conversation around delight. Isaiah 58 verses 13 and 14 says this, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath, and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day, and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. So if, if the Sabbath is this day that is set apart for us to stop working, to rest, and to delight and to worship, one of the first things that we're probably going to ask, some of the first questions that will bubble up within us is like, so what can I do and what can I not do? Right? Like, especially if you are a rule follower, you want to know, like, what, what are my lane lines here? Like, how, how do I just stay in my lane when it comes to Sabbath? I know some of you, when you've been, like, just trying to figure out what's the best way to Sabbath, you're trying to kill it, right? Like, you're trying to get an A-plus on Sabbathing. And some of us are just like, I just want to, I, I just love a, a nap, right? It's like, and so, like, how do we figure out what are the lane lines? We're asking these questions, like, what are, are the rules? But the reality is if we're focused so hard on, on the rules and, and the lane lines, we, we actually miss what's at the heart of this invitation. We miss the, the, uh, what's at the heart of this gift that's given to us through God himself. 
Now, the Sabbath day, it is a day that is holy, right? It says that, that keep this day holy, which at least for me, I can, would tend to think like keep it like pure and, and perfect. Like don't break the rules. But, but really what that means is just set it apart. Like you're working for six days, but let's make sure that this day is, is different. And we'll talk in a minute about what that looks like for it to be different. But set it apart. It's a day that is meant to be enjoyed. It's a day that, that we hopefully at some point we speak about with delight. And honestly, as we spend time leaning into the, the presence of God in the Sabbath, we will begin to delight in the Lord through the Sabbath. Now, in the Jewish tradition of the Sabbath, like the, they had a, a way of, of perceiving or understanding or looking at the Sabbath. They actually had a, a metaphor and an, and an image, and that would be the, the image of, of a bride. And they would refer to the kind of this, this Sabbath bride. And it helped for them just to kind of contextualize what would the experience of Sabbath look like or, or feel like? How could they approach or posture themselves as they considered this Sabbath, as they considered the, the Sabbath bride? And, and I've been reading a book recently called The, the Sabbath Experiment by Rob Mathia. And in that book, he, he really um, describes this well. I just wanted to share it with you this morning. He says that, that tradition of, again, the Sabbath and the Sabbath bride, that tradition holds that just as those gathered for a wedding wait with excitement for the arrival of the bride, so too are we to anticipate the arrival of the Sabbath bride. And the tradition suggests that just as the gathered family and friends are filled with joy and a spirit of celebration when the bride finally arrives, so too are we to orient our hearts toward joy and celebration in the presence of the Sabbath bride. And eventually the tradition points to the departure of the bride when those gathered for the wedding feel an afterglow of delight and satisfaction from their time in her presence in a longing for the next time they will see her. The afterglow and the longing for the bride come again or for the bride to come again are the feeling that the departure of the Sabbath bride should elicit in us. Now my question is, Maybe you've had a couple times, like maybe, or maybe you've been practicing Sabbath for a while, but you know, we've been super intentional the last few weeks to do that. And as, and as I thought about this, I, I, how did you feel about your Sabbath? Like, were you, were you really super excited for it to come? Like, in the middle of it, were you just filled with joy and, and celebration? And then when you finish, you're like, oh, man, I can't believe it's over, and I can't wait for it to happen next week. Like, as I, describe, as I would describe our Sabbath the last couple times, I'd say it was good. It was nice. But I don't know if I would describe it that way just yet. But what if, what if this Sabbath, this time of stopping and, and resting is intended to be so filled with delight that we would approach it like, like we would, like going to our, our family's wedding and just waiting in anticipation for the, for the bride to arrive and celebrating with joy in this, in this event and then just wishing, man, I just wish we could just stay here all day. Can't wait for the next wedding. What if that is the way that, that we're supposed to experience and anticipate the Sabbath? In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we've read this the last couple weeks, I believe, um, but I wanted to include the, the end of chapter 1 when I read it this morning. It says this, and this hopefully sounds familiar to you, but it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. 
Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So after six days, it says that God stopped. It says that, that he rested. And we've talked about this before, that, that, that God didn't just like, you know, sit down because he needed a break. It wasn't quitting time. It wasn't like he was exhausted and tired. And he just couldn't, he could not create one more thing. He's like, I'm done. No, the picture that we get of God in this circumstance was that, it's, maybe you can relate to it. It's, it have you ever um, like worked really hard on, on a project Maybe at, at work or, or at home, something that just took a lot of time, was labor-intensive, and a lot of focus and, and effort went into it. A few years ago, in the middle of the pandemic, right, when we had a, a lot of time on our hands, and because of the government, we had some extra money on our hands, we thought it would be a good idea to, to build a, a patio out of, like, patio pavers in, in the backyard. And, and when we did that, we decided not to go small. We picked out, like, the big ones, like the ones that weighed 60 pounds. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in my house, but, like, the, the, our driveway and our cul-de-sac is, like, down, and our backyard is, like, up. And so every one of those bricks had to come from the, the cul-de-sac to the backyard. And plus all the digging and all the work, it, it took a, a week just to do this. And it, I was at that point really glad that I had a teenager that was trying to get stronger at the time because he helped with all the work. But it just took a lot of sweat, a lot of work. There was just exhaustion on, on those days of, of working. And yet when after about a week of, of doing this and it was finished and it was done and we had set out the patio furniture on it, we just, I just sat. I just enjoyed the work that we had accomplished, the thing that we had finished, like the, the vast array of, of our new paper patio. And what if this is what God was experiencing on that sixth day? That's the picture that, that we see in Genesis chapter 2 and, and at the end of chapter 1, that after God worked and did all of these amazing things, he, he didn't just stop because he was tired. He stopped in a sense to just say, man, this is, this is good. <laughs> the... In Genesis chapter 2, it says that this was a day that, is, that was blessed by God. Now, the, again, in, in the Hebrew, that word blessed is the word barak, which means to, to bless or to, or to make happy. You see, this, this day, this sixth day, this day of rest, it was a day that was set aside to be filled with joy, to be filled with happiness. A day for delight. And enjoying the very good things that God has done, that God has created. And maybe specifically there, there are three things that we could enjoy in this. Three things, the very good things of God. The one is, is his world, right? The, the good and beautiful and true things that God created. The things that when we look outside and we look at the, again, like the vast array of all that he has created, we can say that is good. <laughs> that is true. That is delightful. The other thing would be just simply our life in this world. Like the Lord has filled this world with good things and he has given us a number of, of blessings. And, and I don't know about you, my tendency is often, can be often to, to well, sometimes to, to focus on some of the negative things in, in, our, in my world and the negative things in my life. And yet here's a day where we can look at all of the good things that God has, has gifted us with, all of the blessings, the things that he intended to make us happy and to be filled with joy and to be grateful for those. And then the third thing would just simply to be uh, like in, to delight in God himself, 
in the access that we have to God himself, like the fact that we can actually be in the presence of God through the, the work, through our faith in, in Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection, we've been given the gift of, of access into the loving presence of a loving and gracious God. So those three things. I love how uh, Missy Takano, who writes for the Bible Project, she wrote a great article on should Christians Sabbath. And, and in it she says this. She says, um, oh, it's up on the slide. She says, Sabbath rest is an invitation to practice for eternity in God's presence. It is an act of regular and intentional trust of God's rule on earth. We Shabbat in order to dwell with him. When we stop working, we can truly rest in God's presence. When we practice this purposeful pause, we can make room for God to take up residence in our individual lives and communities. When we do this, we can take part in the new creation story, setting the stage for God to make his dwelling place once again on earth. You see, the Sabbath was, was never intended to just be a, a religious obligation or just some, some, just some religious rule to follow, something that was just meant to be somber or boring or void of life or void of, of joy. The Sabbath was intended to be a life-giving day of delight and restoration in the presence of God. And here's the thing is that the Sabbath, it's going to show up like every seven days. You know, we'll go for six, and then the Sabbath will be there on the seventh. But it doesn't happen with us, without us intentionally stepping into it. The Sabbath will come, but it only actually is, happens when we practice it, when we step into it. And that takes intentionality. So let me just maybe give you a, a few practical ways to be intentional about the Sabbath today and in, in the days ahead as you continue to, to grow in your own practice of it. The first would be this, would be to, to just settle down. In Genesis chapter 2, after God rested, you know, he, he creates humanity. And it says in, in chapter uh, 2, verse 15, it says that God placed man in the garden. Now, the, the word that is translated placed there is, it's a Hebrew word that's Nuach, which actually means to, to rest or to dwell or to settle. It says that God took humanity, took man, he took the people and placed them, settled them, rested them in the garden. And, and this resting and this settling, they think of like a snow globe. Like I, I didn't bring one. We packed all, our away, all of ours away at Christmas. But if you have ever seen a snow globe, and I'm sure you had, but it's, you shake it up, right? It's filled with, with chaos and, and movement and action. And, and maybe you just replace that in your mind with just busyness. And, but if you stop and you let it rest, you let it settle down, all that's stirred up inside will, will settle down to the bottom. And what is maybe good or, or, or clean or delightful just is, is present. It's clear, like the, the image of the, whatever your snow globe has, maybe it's Mickey Mouse or Santa Claus, whatever, like, like you can see clearly the good thing that's inside of it. Like this is what God is doing. And in fact, it, later on when we see in the Ten Commandments that, that it says that for in, in the sixth day the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but then he rested on the seventh day 
Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That word translated in that verse, rest was the same word, that new walk, which, again, it means to settle down and to dwell and to rest. I think if we just think about our own lives, we are hurried people, like shaken and stirred, right? Like we just have a lot going on in our lives. And hurry is one of the greatest obstacles for us to experience delight, for us to experience like the good things that, that were intended for us to enjoy. I, I remember when my family and I, when we, we moved to Rwanda, it was almost 10 years ago, maybe just over 10 years ago. And on the first night, we arrived late at night. We'd flown for 20 some odd hours, maybe 30 hours. I can't remember exactly. But we showed up and all of our, our new friends, all of our Rwandan friends met us at the airport. And they helped get all of our luggage into the vans, and they were going to take us to our home, help us to get settled, help us to settle down. But they wanted to take us out to dinner first. <laughs> I mean, we just traveled for forever, and they wanted to take us for dinner, which was super gracious and kind, but all we wanted was bed. All we wanted was to get to what was our, our new home. And so we, we stopped at this, this restaurant, we parked all the, the cars, whatever, and, and we're walking in, and, and I was walking behind my, my new Rwandan friends, and, and they were walking kind of like this. Just kind, of, just kind of making their way into the restaurant. And I was like walking like this, like, st- like stopping, like almost hitting their heels. I was just antsy to get in. I'm holding Brady in my arms. He's three years old at the time, falling asleep as I'm just trying to get in. And, and as we went into that night, you know, I, I settled down a bit. I just let the moment be the moment. I let myself savor the, the moment and the opportunity, the experience, the relationships, and, and the food. And I think that's what we're invited into when we're entering into the Sabbath day, a moment to, to settle down just a little bit. If we want to actually savor and enjoy the good things that God has given us, we have to, to slow down and we have to settle down so that we can see and think and experience things clearly the way they were intended. So the second thing I'd maybe encourage you to do is to consider setting some, some boundaries now, when we, while we read about the Pharisees in the New Testament, Jesus was always kind of at, at odds with them when it came to the, the Sabbath. And, and mostly it was because they had created all of these rules, right? All of these lane lines and do not get out of them. And, and they just made it narrow and tight. So it was really hard to, to stay in them. And, and I think when we think about that, we think it's mostly bad, like all oh, those Pharisees. But, but at the heart of it, it wasn't all bad. Like what they were they're doing, it, it kind of became bad because it missed the heart of it. But if we're actually going to delight in the Sabbath, if we're actually going to experience Sabbath delight, we're going to, if, we want to, if we're going to say yes to the things of delight on the Sabbath, we're going to have to learn to say no to some other things. And they aren't always going to be like bad things. They're going to be even good things or great opportunities. But, but if we are going to experience the best thing, if we're going to experience this gift that God wants us to experience in its fullness, we might have to say no to some other and so my encouragement to you as, you as you begin to figure out what does it look like for you to experiment with the Sabbath is to, is to create some lists. I'm not necessarily a list guy, but I know there are people that like lists, but I suggest that you consider making a list of the things that you, that you will do on the Sabbath and some things that, that you won't do on the Sabbath. Maybe on the Sabbath you want to make sure you, there's a specific food you want to eat. Maybe you just want to make sure you get a nap in on the Sabbath. Maybe you want to do some sort of exercise outside. Or maybe once the sun actually does come out for long periods of time, you would just want to be outside. Like it, you just come up with a list of the things that you want to do. And then what are some things that you just, I just, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to check my email. 
I'm not going to, like, do chores around the house. I'm not going to, like, you fill in the gap. Like, it's, what are the things that, that will bring you delight? What are the things that are going to rob you of life? And, and just create some boundaries for yourself so that you kind of have a guide, some lanes to actually work your way through this Sabbath. And so that those lanes would actually point you towards delight. So they would point you towards joy and in experiencing what God has intended for this day to be for you. The last thing would be this, would be to actually to, to give yourself to joy. To simply give yourself to joy. I don't know, like in your mind's eye, when you think about God, how you perceive God. But I wonder if when you picture God in your mind, if, if like bursting with joy would be the way you would describe God. Like do you think of God as being joyous? I think there probably has been seasons in my life where, I, no, I that's not the picture I have. That's not the picture I've been given. That's not, that's not the story that I've been told. I do think we have probably some, some reshaping to understand who our, our loving Father is. And He is a, a loving Father that is filled with joy. In fact, when we talk about like, like the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is like the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit in us. These are the things that are naturally produced in us when, when the presence of Jesus is like fully indwelt in us. And if we look at it, it says love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control somewhere at the end. But a, a lot of scholars actually think that that, that list is, is a list that's ordered in importance. It's not, can't be proven, but it's like love for sure. Man, joy is number two. Like when we think of God, do we think of him as, as joyful? And do we think of him as wanting us to experience joy? Again, like I said at the beginning, I had a hard time thinking about like delight on the Sabbath because does God really want me just to just frivolously enjoy this day? And, and maybe he does. Maybe he simply wants me to enjoy a lot of really good things that he has either blessed or put in, in our lives or that are just things that he has created on that day. And not without purpose, but we'll get to that in just a minute. So ask yourself this question, what could you do on the Sabbath in that, in that day that would just fill you with a deep delight and joy in God? Like, don't just pick the things that might make you happy. Don't pick the things that you've already learned to use as coping mechanisms to make you kind of feel good on, on the inside. But what are the things that would give you, that could move you towards a deep delight and joy in God? Maybe when you, I don't know if you do this when your birthday comes around. I, actually, I know some of you do this, right? Like your birthday comes around and you've got the list of all the things that you're going to get for free. You're going to hit Starbucks. You're going to hit Dutch Brothers, maybe Red Robin for a burger. I think we all put on like 10 pounds on our birthday because of all the, the free stuff. And, but what if like, and, and maybe even on your birthday, you just save some other things. Like maybe I just know I'm going to, on my birthday, I'm going to take a nap. On my birthday, I'm going to go golfing. On my birthday, whatever it is that just fills your bucket, like this gives you life. Like what if like the psychologists actually call that like pleasure stacking? Like where you would just save all the best things, all the good things and just, and just fire them off one after another. It's like I'm going to take a nap and then I'm going to play some golf and then I'm going to have my Red Robin burger and then I'm going to wash it down with a smoothie from Dutch Bros and, and I'm just going to fall asleep just in this, this coma of joy and, and delight. And, and maybe not gluttony necessarily, but but all of these things that, that are, would again, maybe allow us to experience the joy and goodness that God has, has offered us. And what the reality is, is with that, 
I think that there's in all of this, whether it's um, joy, stop, and rest, and even worship, all of this is going to take some figuring out. If, if, if you're just beginning to enter into the Sabbath practice, it's, it takes some, some learning. Like, there's a curve to it. And, and they talk about, like, a, what, a, a J curve in, in some of the learning things where, where like, when you started, I mean, you might start okay, but you're going to have to actually, like, mess up a few times before you actually start making an upward trajectory. Like, maybe this last week when you Sabbath, it didn't feel that delightful. You just felt bored. <laughs> well, maybe you might need to experiment with a little more pleasure stacking. Maybe experiment with some things that, like, what does bring me joy? Maybe that's just even a question that you haven't been able to answer lately. Because you've been so busy, I don't have time to enjoy anything right now. I, I just run my kids around, I, I work, and then maybe I, I catch a show at night, but then I, I just back to bed. And there's just not, no time for me to have an enjoyment. And maybe that's the reality of six days, but the seventh day was made to be different. And so it might just take some experimenting, some figuring it out so that you can get to a place where this Sabbath day gift is a day that, that when you look forward to it, you can't wait for it. When you're in the middle of it, it feels like it's, it's, the Lord is filling you with joy because you're celebrating with him. And when you're finished, you're like, I can't wait till this comes back again. That might not just happen in, a, in like a weekend. It might take some work to get to that point. But in all of this, in all of this, like God is doing more than just giving us a play day. Can you understand that? Like I, and I hope you, you were hearing that in, in my description of all this. He's not... It's not just about, like, just filling your life with all the, the best things. But here's, here's, I think, what's taking place is that we see at the beginning that God settled and rested humanity in the garden, right? So that he could actually settle and rest and dwell with them. Like, that's the picture that we have, that God created humanity, men and women, placed them in this space, said, just settle down and take care of this. And I want to settle down and, and be with you. But as the story goes, we know that like, that didn't last, right? Like we messed it up and things were, were broken and things have been messed up and, and continue to be messed up ever since. That so this good thing, what God created and what God saw as good was broken and is no longer the same. And ever since then, see, God has been offering restorative opportunities for connection with his creation. Ever since we messed this thing up, God's been just trying to move back into our lives. Like, he's trying, to, he's trying to settle and dwell with us, and he's inviting us, come, settle, dwell with me. And he just, it, it, that's been the work, that, and it's what we see him doing in Jesus Christ, in his, in his life, in his death and resurrection, so that we can remove the brokenness of our sin and shame and just rest in the presence of our loving Father through faith in, in the man, Jesus, who gave his life so that we could actually enter into that space with a loving father. And the invitation is for us is to settle down, to rest, and to dwell. And that is what the Sabbath is. That is what the Sabbath is for us. It's, I, I see it as like a, a sample, as like a, a taste of the goodness of God's eternal presence. Missy Takano captured this in, an, in another part of her article where she said, when followers of Jesus observe the Sabbath, we live as if this restoration has already taken place. We take a break from the broken rhythms of hustle and hardship to set aside time to honor Jesus' rule, enjoy his presence, and extend, to the, and extend rest to the world around us. 
When we trust God's invitation to come to him and truly rest, we become places where his presence can dwell. Uh, Let me just maybe close with one last thought related to this. And that is this, and maybe it's it's just a real-life question that is more than likely going through the minds of, of some of us today. And that question would be this is, what about when life is hard? What about when, when life is sad? What about when life is worse than hard and sad? Like, like life doesn't just stay going up and to the right. Yeah, that's right, up and to the right. It has ups and downs, right? We're going to have seasons of life that are fantastic. And honestly, in those days, it's probably not that hard to, to Sabbath and to, to enjoy it. But what about the days when, man, it was just a hard week or it's been a hard month or you know it's going to be a hard year coming up? How do I enjoy, how do I delight on those days? I think that's a real question and not one that's easily answered. I'm not, I'm not going to just try to give you a simple answer, but I think in this, like this, this is, like Jesus wants to meet us in those places. Jesus wants to meet us in our, our sadness, in our pain, in our difficulties. He doesn't want us to just leave us alone in those, but he, he moves towards us when we find ourselves in, in those spaces and, and in those places. And the Sabbath, it can be a place where he meets us. Like that can be a day where he, he meets us in those hard spots. And to be honest, like maybe if, if that's where you find yourself, like maybe the activities that day won't look the same, right? It may not just be like pleasure stacking, but I, I hope there would be some, some enjoyment in there. But while the activities that may not look the same on that day, the love that the God the Father has for you remains the same. It do, that does not change. I really like how John Mark Homer talks about this. Um, and so I'll share this with you as we kind of wrap things up. He says, the Sabbath comes every seven days to remind us of the goodness of our life with God in all the seasons of our lives, including the ones that don't feel very good. Sabbath comes at the end of a great week and at the end of a lousy one, when all is well and when our life is falling apart, to remind us it's okay that we're not okay. In those seasons of the dark night, the Sabbath comes, and with it a sense of peace, of trust in God, despite our circumstances, not because of them, teaching us to delight and maybe even be happy in all seasons of life, or as Paul, or as Paul said, to rejoice in the Lord always. Let me invite the, the worship team to come back up. As they do, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And I'd like for us to actually go back to this passage in Isaiah and to uh, read this together as we close this part of our service and as we prepare to maybe just sing one more song. So if you would would be willing just to to read this along with me in Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath day. And speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this this good gift. The gift of stopping. 
the gift of resting and the, the gift of just being in your presence. And we pray that the, as we practice Sabbath, that that would be at the heart of what we're doing is just stepping closer to you and learning to enjoy it and learning to enjoy some of the good things that you have placed here on earth, some of the wonderful things that you have created, some of the blessings we have in life, some of the things that, that fill us with life as we can just consider how much you love us and how you are a father that, that desires to give his children good gifts. And yet we know you give with wisdom and grace and we just are so grateful for that. And so we just ask that you would help us, Lord, to, if we're struggling with this, to, to enjoy things more. And maybe if we go over the top, maybe we dial it back a little bit. I don't know, Lord. But, but at the end of the day, Lord, our hope is not that we would just delight and, and enjoy a bunch of things, but in them, that we would experience delight in you. That that would be what shapes this seventh day, this day to stop and to rest and to delight, which will lead us and point us to worship of a loving Father, a servant Son, and a Holy Spirit who fills us with life everlasting. Lord, we pray and ask these things in your name.